0: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Through him all things were made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Well, good morning. I just want to thank Mary for opening up this morning and just naming all the things that Jesus is. Because this morning we're continuing our series on Jesus is. And before we get started, I just want to open up in prayer. Father, I just want to thank you for sending Jesus. And Jesus, I want to thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. May your word come alive in our hearts today. May you speak to us. May you work in our lives. And Lord, may we take your word and apply it. Now, bless your word this morning. May you be glorified in the words that are spoken, and may you be lifted up in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. We're continuing our series in Jesus Is. Now, I'm Sure that most of you know that this book of John that we have been studying is often used to to bring people to know the Lord better, to 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 share the gospel. So oftentimes, if you're speaking to somebody who doesn't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and wants to know more, the first book we direct them to is the book of John, and the reason we do. We actually point them to the book of John. It's because John uses his book to sum up, to show the deity of Jesus Christ. At the very end of his book, in John 20, verse 31, he said, But these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, And that by believing, you may have life in his name. This entire book shows you that Jesus is who he says he is. He is the Son of God. Everything in this gospel is proving his deity. All the way through the actions of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus, the words of Jesus. All of these things that John records there is left no question, no question of who Jesus is. So as we start this morning and we're reading John chapter 2, verses 13 to 22. So if you have your Bibles or your phone or you just want to read it on on the screen with me, I'm going to start reading in verse 13, John chapter 2, verse 13. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at the tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove them all from the temple courts, both the sheep, the cattle. He scattered the coins of money changers, and he overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, what signs can you show us to prove your authority that you have to do all of this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. And they replied, it has taken 40 six years to build this temple, and you were going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. And after he, raised, he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. So I want to set the scene here. I want us to understand that Jesus has just begun his ministry. He has done his first miracle in in Cana of Galilee, where he turned the water into wine. And from there, he went to Capernaum with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples. Now, Capernaum was a place that some scholars say was kind of where Jesus had his base. A lot of miracles happened around Capernaum. So it made a lot of sense that after after the wedding that Jesus and his disciples, his mother and his brothers, went to Capernaum for a few days before they headed to Jerusalem for the Passover. Jesus's public ministry began here, and it would continue for the next three years. Every year of Jesus's life, he went to the Passover in Jerusalem. At the 10.30 service, the kids are going to be watching a video and it's showing exactly that. It shows Jesus as he went to the temple when he was eight days old um, to be circumcised. Then it shows him at 12 years of age where his pa- parents lost track of him and he was found sitting in the temple listening to, listening and learning from the scholars. Now Jesus is starting his ministry. And he enters into the temple for the Passover. Now, the Passover for the Jews was was an annual feast. Every year, the, the Jews would make their way to Jerusalem. And the Passover started because back in the days of Moses, the Israelites were kept in slavery by the Egyptians. And God told Moses he was going to free them from the slavery. Pharaoh would not let them go, and we know the story of the plagues that hit Egypt until the final plague came. The final plague was the angel of death, and that angel of death was going to take the firstborn son. And to spare the Israelites, that God would not judge the Israelites, he told them to sacrifice a pure lamb and to take that lamb's blood and to put it on the doorpost of the house, to eat a meal together and get ready to leave Egypt. When that angel of death went through, it passed over the Israelites' home. It did not judge the Israelites. And isn't it amazing that this symbol of the blood that was put on the doorpost, can be related back to the blood that Jesus shed on the cross for our sins. The Messiah is the Passover. The reason that God mandated the Passover. In Exodus 23, God mandates that the Israelites keep this Passover every single year. So Jesus would have faithfully gone to Jerusalem every year of his life. It is estimated that when the Passover came about, over a million people would converge on Jerusalem. Think about it. Every room would have been filled. Places that weren't supposed to be places for people to To rest were places where people were to rest. People converged on Israel, on Jerusalem. It became the focal point. The the temple became the focal point of all the activity. As I was preparing this message, I I went back and, and I thought about last year in January. My mom was here visiting from Canada and my daughters, and she wanted to take us on a girls' trip. And so we all headed to Singapore. We had this amazing time in Singapore, and we had such a fantastic time. Well, at the end of January, we were just starting to hear all the COVID stuff coming through. And I think Singapore had about 10 cases at that point. And then at the end of January is the Chinese New Year, and all the people were coming in from from China to celebrate Chinese New Year, and quite a few people were coming from the Wuhan province And my mom and I are very, we we don't, we we take risks. And even though we knew that COVID was the thing and that it had actually been coming out of China, we thought it would be so cool to see how the Chinese um, culture celebrated New Year. So off we headed to Chinatown. And as we were there, I was overwhelmed with the amount of people that were in Chinatown. This is a picture I actually took My mom has a terrible sense of direction. And I held on to my mom with all that's worth. It was just chock-a-block full of people. There were people selling things on each side, and and you would just go, and it was all similar stuff. It wasn't really different, but just venue after venue after venue, and people were pushing through, and there was food, and there was noise, and there were smells of, of the food and the people. I held so tight to my mom, and I, I, as I was preparing this message, I, I got an inkling of what it would have been like in Jerusalem. A million people converging in Jerusalem to the temple being the focal point. You see, a lot of these worshippers would have come for quite a far away away, and it would have been hard to carry animals for sacrifice when they had traveled a long distance. So they would have purchased their animals in the courtyard, and these animals actually had to be passed by the priest and said that they were clean and pure for sacrifice. But a lot of them, if you did bring them from home, they weren't passed because, you see, there was money involved in in purchasing your animals there. They were sold at a higher cost. We can all relate to that, can't we? Like, you go someplace, like, to to the show, and to get a hot dog, instead of being $3, ends up being $10. And this is what was happening in the temple. So when people couldn't bring their sacrifices with them and they had to purchase them at the temple, it was an exorbitant rate to get any animals. Then people would have to exchange money to pay for the temple tax. That's what the money changers were all about. And they would charge an exorbitant rate to just do that. So people were making money in the Lord's house. But you know, it had been a long time since God had been pleased with what was happening in the temple. And we find this in Isaiah chapter 1, 11 to 20. It reads, the multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord. I have more than enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, you ha- who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts. Stop bringing meaning- meaningless offerings. Your ins- incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, convocations, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your pointed festivals, I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I'm not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be wo- they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel... You will be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. It could have been written in Jesus' day, yet it was written in the Old Testament. It is the same problem. It was highlighting the old issue of hypocrisy amongst the people. The temple was to be a place of worship. That was the focal point of the temple. But it turned into a house of hypocrisy. It made sense, though, that people purchased their animals there. It was too hard for traveling families to carry their sacrifices. But, you know, originally, originally the sacrifices were actually sold outside the temple court. But as time went on and people stopped worshiping God and it became more about the money and it became more about self-satisfaction, those those tables moved inside. And that became the focus. Selfishness began to take over. The temple was a place of worship, and now of reverence and adoration and gratefulness to God, a place where true repentance was to take place. But instead, instead, It was selfish instead of selfless. It was greedy instead of grateful. It was hypocritical instead of being sincere. I just want you to imagine just for a moment what Jesus experienced. Sometimes when we read the scripture, because we're reading words, we're not experiencing all the things that Jesus is. We're reading the words and we have to kind of put ourselves into the story. So if we put ourselves into the story and we experience what he did, He would have faced, like I did, wall-to-wall people. He would have faced the hustle and the bustle of people moving and the yelling, come, buy the stuff from my table, this here, yelling back and forth. Everybody trying to get your attention, not for God. Not for God, but so that they could sell something. This place of worship became a place of chaos. Can you understand why Jesus got upset? Can you understand what was happening in his heart at this time? Everything the temple was there for had been forgotten. In place, it was taken over by hypocrisy. The Bible then goes on to tell us that Jesus made a whip out of cords. Now, he didn't pull a whip from his belt. He hadn't carried it in with him. He made a whip as he watched what was going on around him. And then scripture says he drove all from the temple area, both the sheep and the cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? Now here's a thought with a place that was swarming with people. Why did no one stop him? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, if somebody came in and you were swarming and they were disrupting everything, and somebody would have jumped him. But why didn't anybody stop him? The answer can be found in verse 18. The Jews answered it themselves. And they said, what sign can you show to prove your authority to do all of this? The authority that Jesus held when he did that was massive. No one dared stand up to him. He was God. Jesus answered them, You destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Jesus knew at this time he was there to die for those people he was there to die for all those people who were desecrating the temple that was what he was there for they didn't understand they didn't get it you see it wasn't the selling of the animals that upset jesus it was the state of everyone's heart It's interesting to note that Jesus' ministry started with cleansing the temple and it ended with cleansing the temple. Matthew, Mark, and Luke record the end of Jesus' ministry and the time when Jesus made his final triumphant entrance into Jerusalem. This happened six days before the Passover, and while he was entering into the city gates, he knew then he was going to to be put to death. and As he went into the temple again, he saw all these money changers and he saw people selling animals and he again got angry. He said, it is written, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. As he was driving the money changers out of the temple for the last time, he knew he was there to die. Yet when Jesus got angry, the Bible does not show that his anger was out of control. I know when my girls were little, and sometimes they just kind of just, sometimes my anger was out of control. Jesus wasn't. It wasn't out of control. The disciples likened his anger to a passage that is found in Psalms, written by King David in Psalm 69.9. It said, for the zeal for your house consumes me, and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. Jesus was consumed, consumed with what was happening in the temple. He was insulted. I was reading John MacArthur this week, and he was saying that a mature Christian, like when you really know Jesus well, That when people use Jesus' name in vain or, or when they do blasphemy against God, your heart is heavy and it hurts. Jesus felt that heaviness. He felt more than we could ever, ever feel. And so his anger burned inside him. My question, though, is how does a story like this impact us today? I mean, we're talking about the temple, and the temple existed back in 2,000 years ago. How how is this relevant to you and to I today? Last time I spoke, I shared with you the scripture in 2 Timothy 3.16, that all scripture Is God breathed and is useful teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see, the purpose of the Old Testament temple was a gigantic symbol. It was a gigantic symbol that visualized God's desire to live together with its human creatures, and rule the world through him. It was a place, the temple, was a place where heaven and earth met, where the creator God has chosen to take up residence amongst his people. In the Old Testament, that when the Israelites moved, they, they moved the temple and Jesus would reside, and, and that pillar of fire would follow them at night. God chose to take residence amongst his people. It was a sacred place where the the Israelites' priestly representatives would enter into God's presence. And on behalf of everyone, they would express their thanks, their confessions, and their praise. Today, Today, because Jesus died on the cross, because he took that last triumphant entry into Jerusalem, no longer do we have to do sacrifices because Jesus has come to dwell within us. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. This is our temple. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God resides in us. We no longer need the the temple Of the Israelites because he lives within us. I'm gonna ask the music team to come and I'm just gonna ask you the question. So, if we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, what would Jesus see in our temple today? What would he see in our lives? We can be so good that nobody else might not see what's in our lives, but Jesus does. He knows what's in our lives. If he was entering into our temple today, which he is there, is he angered? Are you challenged in your heart today? Is there something that he's bringing to your mind? Is the Holy Spirit working and and bringing things to your mind today? You see, the word of God... It's alive. It takes a story in the Old Testament, I mean in the New Testament, and it makes it relevant to us today. What would Jesus say about our temple and our life? Let's pray. Lord, we're just so grateful that your word is alive. It's not a book that sits on the shelves and was relevant for yesterday. It's relevant for today, and it will be relevant for tomorrow because you speak through your word. Father, you have challenged me today with your word, and I pray, O God, that you will speak and use the Holy Spirit to speak into the lives of people here this morning. Holy Spirit, move in our midst Reveal to us the things that that hurt the heart of Jesus. I pray, God, that, that we will bring to your cross the things that pain you, that hurt you, that our temple will be a temple of worship, a temple where we glorify your name and we lift your name on high. May you be glorified today, we pray, in your precious and holy name. Amen.